You're listening to the Digital Data Cafe podcast, where we talk about everything data-driven in your world. Join us each week to hear from the world's top business and industry leaders on why using data in a digital world matters. Here's your host, Albert Thompson. Good morning. Thank you so much for another exciting episode here today with the Digital Data Cafe. I'm your host, Albert Thompson. Uh, real excited here to introduce CEO uh, Chris Lytle of DVA Platform. Chris, thank you for joining. Welcome to have have you here. Uh, thanks so much, Albert. Great to be here. No, we're we're excited, um, Chris, and, and um, really thrilled to to be talking about DVA Platform and some of the, the exciting things that that you guys are doing there and really cutting edge. And um, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are going to be you know thrilled to hear about some of the the things that you guys are doing. But before we kick that off, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about yourself and and who's Chris Lytle? How you know what's your story? Absolutely. Well, hopefully I won't put anybody to sleep, but, uh, you know, I've been in digital media for about 25 years now and um, started out, you know, uh, out of college thinking I was going to be a lawyer. But after taking a peek at the waiting list to take the bar, I realized that there probably wasn't a demand at the time for a boatload more lawyers. So, right. uh, you know, I worked for a while at a company called Cox Interactive Media. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of you folks might be familiar with that. You know, at the time, they were, you know, the, one of the largest providers of local TV stations, newspapers, radio. And what we focused on was how do we help these great brands transition into the digital world? So a lot, you know, getting websites stood up, the initial, some certain, some initial portals going back to use somewhat of a dated term. Um, spent a bunch of time there. Uh, went on to a company called Real Network. So you all might remember from back in the day, oh. you know, that little app that you would download to let you to play video. And somehow along the way, they managed to not be YouTube. And they also managed not to be <laughs> Apple Music. And I always, you know, got commiserate with my uh, uh, fellow former shareholders of Real Networks on that. Um, but then really got involved in the startup space and, you know, really loved that and was, you know, a member of a number of startups based in Atlanta. Um, you know, one of the ones that we we're really focused on was giving uh, streaming media services to cable companies because we were explaining that at some point someone was going to go over the top and kind of cut them out of the loop and start right. doing streaming video. And I think the response I heard from one large cable provider who will go nameless was, yeah, that's probably true, but I'll be retired by that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Definitely one of my early learnings about working with big businesses, which is right. that like you really have to sell the vision of what the impact is going to be now. Right. Um, but Cox was a great place to be. Um, and, you know, and obviously, you know, real networks as well. But the startup world was really where I, I just I just loved every bit of it. Uh, was a member of these four startups and three of them failed as startups tend to do on occasion. Right. Um, but I was fortunate in that the last one I was with, a uh, great call company called Ratesflow, uh, mm-hmm. got bought by Google in 2011. And really? I headed up sales and marketing over there. And what we really did was, you know, we helped streaming media services manage copyright. So huh. it was probably about as boring an intersection as you can have between music <laughs> and technology, but right. something that brought a lot of value to Google. Um, and wow. you know, after being at Google, I think one of the things that's really exciting is that there's so many places in the Google empire where you can find a new home. And I was ready mm-hmm. for a change and spent about four or five years managing Google's digital signage business. Um, and by really? digital signage, I don't mean like, you know, DocuSign or something like that, but the screens that you see in theaters and the screens that you see in arenas, the screens that you see in retail and spent a lot of time digging into that. And digital signage is great. I think it's something that's going to be around for a real long time. Sure. However, 
we were often positioning digital signage as a thing that was going to be a huge game changer for retail or restaurants. And while it's a nice additive, it really hasn't been, you know, the, the big game changer that, you know, that we thought it might be. Right. So what I moved over to was, you know, the, the Google core properties, you know, whether it's advertising or Google Maps and identifying how we can work with great local businesses to make certain that they show up uh, on Google really well. And at the same time, kind of stay true to Google's mission of, you know, capturing the world's information and making it accessible and useful. Um, so it's something that was, you know, a great run at Google. Um, I spent about five years doing that as well and just met with companies of all sizes, which I think is one of the real, um, you know, uh, blessings of working at Google sure. is that you get to talk to a lot of different companies of a lot of different sizes across a lot of different industries. Uh, and it was just a great experience there. Yeah, I think, um, you know, thank you for sharing that. You know, it's, it's amazing to, to hear your story, but, you know, Chris, I'm sure like with, with most of our listeners, you know, it's really sexy to, to hear the, the Google story. So, um, you spent uh, the last five years in, in what you call the, the core properties of Google. Um, that seems to be kind of the, the main place there where you really were able to kind of take that, that next step into, into local business and understand what's going on with, with small business. Um, your last role there was, was, was head of shopping, right? I believe it well, was. Well, it was global lead of local shopping. So I was the guy driving, you know, our local shopping initiatives from a business development perspective. Sure. And uh, it was in, in, in particular, one area that I was really focused on was local inventory. And that's something that I hope we have the opportunity to talk about a little bit later. Right. But in essence, making certain that if someone's doing a search for a Yeti cooler near me or a Toyota Camry near me, to make certain that Google was going to be the place that housed all that information. Um, and to some degree, that has come to fruition. Well, I, you know, and I think this is a perfect segue to, to go ahead and talk about that because that's really the meat and potatoes of, of what we want to cover here, right? Because, you know, what's the value in the substance that some of our listeners are going to get today? And that's where it's at, right? What's happening in the digital landscape with, with local inventory, local search, near me searches? Why don't you kind of give us the 30 seconds on what's happening with near me searches and, and how does that relate to, to, to local business? Yeah, 100%. And one thing that's really interesting is, you know, I might be dating myself here, but, you know, when Google first came out, it was the place that you would go to learn, you know, uh, about a bird or, you know, or, you know, about a business or something. So it's almost kind of like a global encyclopedia. What a lot of folks don't know is that over the past couple of years, there's been this big shift in the way that Google searches are traditionally done. And as of right now, about 41% of all searches on Google have a local intent, meaning really? that somebody is looking for something near them. So it's kind of gone from being just uh, an information tool huh. to becoming a real guide for where people buy goods and services geographically close to them. 41% of 41%. all searches have actual buying intent, local a buying local intent. intent. A local, local intent. Local okay. intent. Okay. So they're looking for something near them. And, you know, and, and to some degree, that has a lot to do with the fact that Google Maps is such a dominant, you know, tool right now. And, you know, Google also owns Waze. Uh, right. So, you know, at the end of the day, what, what you find is that over the past five years, there has been a 412%, I might be getting the, the decimal point wrong on there, but in searches that include the term near me. And this was a trend that we were talking about at Google, you know, before the pandemic. Huh. But the pandemic has only accelerated that because the old days where, you know, I'm looking to buy something, I'm going to go to the mall or the shopping center and I'm going to drive right. around until I find what I'm looking for. Right. The pandemic really made folks want to know where they're going ahead of time. So what's really changed is 
you know, uh, the mall has become almost like a virtual mall where you search for the item that you're looking for. And, you know, my wife and I were looking for, um, uh, you know, some lawn furniture a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And we started off our search was who is selling this particular outdoor furniture near me? Hmm. And then we found the spot that was a good spot for us. And then once we were there, we started looking for restaurants that were near there and other places we could do local shopping near there. So what's really exciting about that is it's changed the way that people are thinking about their shopping trips. Uh, so it's really critical that folks uh, show up well in those searches. Well, and, and not to take us too far off track here, but, um, you know, specifically related in auto, you know, we, we saw this transition with this, this near me type of concept. Um, cause traditionally speaking, kind of how you mentioned the mall shopping, right? Hey, we'd go to the mall, we'd walk around and until and, and we found what we were looking for. And, and with auto, it was the same thing. You'd have your Sunday drivers, right? You'd get in the car, you'd kick some tires, you'd visit four or five dealerships, look around and, and post pandemic that changed. And then you saw the OEMs shift to this digital retailing and you wanted to identify identify the car first, make your purchase, figure out your finance, release all of that pre the visit. And so this near me is really the way of the future. A hundred percent. And I think in the auto space in particular, one thing that was really interesting is that during the pandemic, trips to actual dealer showrooms diminished. Yeah. And at the same time, customer satisfaction with their dealer interactions went up. Right. And I think when you think about like the old kind of thought process about going into the dealer showroom and, you know, getting, you know, being followed around by, you know, by a salesperson and, you know, going into that back room where the final deal is done, just kind of had a negative connotation for a lot of folks. So I think folks found that because the dealers were, uh, you know, were adjusting to this new reality, um, that they found the experience much better. And I think when you look at some of these new, you know, services like Carvana, that have mm-hmm. built themselves completely around this process. Uh, this is what customers tend to expect. They want whether, you know, and, and it's just as true when you're buying a car as when you're buying a Yeti cooler, you want to do your research before you leave the house. And in the case of an auto dealer, you want to be able to do as much of that transaction as possible. So a lot of the dealers that we're talking to, they're, you know, they're, they're talking about digital automotive retailing, you know, how do we make this happen? And so, you know, the discovery part on determining who the dealer is that you want to deal with, that's where it starts with the inventory, but dealers are also going much further down the pike, as you say, about dealing with financing, the final contracting, and all those things, doing it virtually as much as possible because you have to meet consumers where they are. Well, I agreed 100%. I think that's one of the best statements, you know, meet the consumers where they're at. And, you know, um, don't let me forget, you know, because I think it's important, but there are some things specifically that DVA platform does to help with that inventory search piece for auto dealers, finding those inventory on Google before you get to the dealership. But one thing I want to touch on before we go there is, and we talked about this, you know, several times, but this, you know, pandemic, right? So you've got this e-commerce landscape because you saw Amazon blow up too, right? right. So you've got e-commerce and that's a new way that we're now learning to buy our goods. And then you've got this near me. So why don't you kind of explain the dichotomy between e-com and and near me and, and how that's really evolving in the consumer behavior? A hundred percent. And I think, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, the probably the biggest challenge that, um, you know, obviously the biggest competitor who uh, Google has been facing the past number of years has been Amazon. And, you know, it's always been my standpoint that the last two folks standing 
are going to be Amazon and Google. Right. And, right. you know, and I think the very time people were saying like, well, what about Facebook? And I think we've all seen what's been going on with Facebook lately. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you know, when, when Google's looking at Amazon as a competitor and all those kind of good things, you have to play to your strengths. And Amazon obviously is really wonderful in the e-commerce space. And Google has taken a number of abortive attempts at going after e-com. And, you know, there was a, a product for a while that allowed you to, you know, shop at multiple retailers on Google and then, you know, be able to have that e- that single e-commerce shopping cart for all these great e-commerce providers together. And it just wasn't really true to what Google does. And what Google does is Google helps you find things and then Google is going to serve you ads along the way. So, you know, I think that Google is kind of sticking to their knitting and doing great with, you know, like I, like I said, helping people find things and then being able to, to advertise those things. So, you know, Google has a great product now called free local listings. And if you provide uh, your local inventory feed, you will actually appear on the Google shopping tab for free. Really? Uh, And the idea, yeah, the idea, and a lot of folks aren't aware of it. No. But it's one of the great benefits of providing your inventory. And the idea here is that, you know, we want to get to a world where there are just pages and pages and pages of great results for local inventory searches. And then you kind of have to advertise to break out of the pack, just like you do with anything else. So, right. you know, when you look at what Google's strengths are in the mapping space, both with Google Maps and Waze, it's just yep. natural that that's where they're going to flow. And they've been doing really great with it. You know, that makes that makes perfect sense. And uh, and I think there's a space for both, you know, for both. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, as a consumer, we want things in an instant gratification way. Right. So if I need to go and find, you know, the other day I lost a set of AirPods. I needed them now here this second, not you know, four hours from now, not 14 hours from now, but now. So nearest place to find them. And I found the best deal, best buy right now, picked it up. So hundred percent. Google shopping. Right. And I think yeah. when you look at um, where a lot of retailers who I'm talking to now is, you know, it used to be that you would get that big best buy location at the major intersection. And when they were doing store siting, that was what it was all about. Right. But now there's more, there's more people working from home and that's mm-hmm. something that is not going to change. So what you're hearing from a lot of retailers is how do I get, smaller store footprints deeper in the suburbs mm-hmm. and then make those a fulfillment hub as well right so it's not just a matter of like hey i'm going to drive out to the big box store on my way home from work right I'm going to work you know that's not going to work right so, I, I, so I, I think that you know one of the great saving graces of retailers is that they are starting to move into the smaller more local footprint which all the more reason, you know, all the more reason why these local searches are going to be really critical. Well, well, why don't you maybe help walk us through, you know, for some of the listeners out there. So what are some of the big players, you know, doing to make this shift? And you just kind of spoke on it, but, you know, how is that, you know, in the landscape for some of these big players? And then, you know, how does, how does that impact local businesses? And, and what would you say is the, is the need for those businesses and how they can respond? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think one thing that's really interesting is that, and again, I'm going to date myself here, but when Google first came out, you know, when I was at Cox Interactive Media, you know, the question was like, gosh, how are these guys going to make money? There's no ads on the front page. Right. You know, at right. the time, it was all about putting as many ads as possible. And what Google was really all about was getting you onto your destination as quickly as possible. Okay. Right? So I'm going to search for this. I'm going to click on that link and I'm going to go over there. So with the way that Google is doing it now, there's more and more information that you will capture while you're actually on Google. And I think one of the early signs of this was when you look at, uh, you know, like Google flights, flights.google.com. Yep. You can get a lot of information right there on Google or from the hotels, finding a hotel near me and all those kind of things. Right. So what's interesting now, and I don't have the number with me, 
But there is a huge number of queries and a substantial proportion of them in which the user never actually clicks through to the website of the provider they're going for. So if I'm doing a search for a Yeti cooler near me, right. or if I'm doing a search for a used 2020 Camry near me, right. and I find that information on Google, I'm just going to click on the directions and drive over there. Or really? make a phone call. So what we're finding more and more is that the the, the the queries are being satisfied on Google themselves. And one thing that I hear from a lot of folks, I you know um, had a restaurant provider I was talking to recently, and he's like, you know, I spent a fortune on my website, and nobody really goes to it anymore. It's much more important that I have the placement on Google because that's where they find if they need a barbecue restaurant near them. So to some degree, what he's thinking is, I just want to get the same information on my website that shows up in Google My Business, just so it's all consistent. So getting that placement on Google is probably more important for a local business than having a great website. Now, this um, opens up a question, and, and just out of curiosity, I want to get your thoughts on this. But you know, in, in our world, in the landscape, specifically in auto or in the in the agency or the marketing business, right? We're always trying to strive towards attribution, attribution, attribution. Well, here's here's what I'm hearing, right? Let's say that this Google starts to solve uh, the appetite for what most of the consumer needs to make that buying at least decision enough to make the next step without going to the full evolution. Where does that leave us as, as, as owners for, for agencies, for marketing? Where are we at with attribution? It's tricky for attribution. I mean, and uh, you know, one of the things we do in our platform is we allow people to put UTM tags in their links and all these things, and we provide all these great insights. But it's interesting because I'll frequently talk to a retailer who you know, has a great history with doing circulars. Right. Right. Like these grocers. Mm -hmm. And I always say like, hey, look, I got it. You're not going to get the same kind of attribution that you would get from e-com. But what right. kind of attribution were you getting with circulars and billboards and direct mail anyway? Right. So I just want to set expectations. It is harder to do attribution with local in large part because I don't think any of us want to live in a world where everything, every one of our movements is being tracked and all those yes. kind of things. So the right. privacy considerations really come in there. Now, that said... Google does have a great tool called Store Visits uh, that if you are advertising with them and you have a store that is has enough footfall um, to preserve, you know, the anonymity, uh, anonymity of the shopper, okay. there's an opportunity to say to, for them to come back and say, "All right, well, this many people saw your store, uh, your ad, and these many people actually showed up in the store." Um, there are other things that are really interesting in which point of sale data. Uh, if there's a loyalty program that's involved, there's an opportunity sometimes for that loyalty data to be passed back to be able to show some attribution. Um, and, but one of the things that we're looking at is uh, working with people that do point of sale based sales data gathering. And these folks used to do the sales data gathering for the purposes of circulars, for the purposes of billboards, for the purposes of the Entman's end cap. Um, and the idea there is you can see, well, what kind of lift did I see in my actual sales when I ran this particular ad? Right. So one of the things that we're doing with both brands and retailers is helping them manage those ads so they know which ads were running, what in what location, at what time. And then they can go back and take a peek at what the sales data was doing at that time. So e-commerce is the golden, you know, the whole, you know, the, the, right. the, the grail of, of uh, attribution. I don't think we ever want to get to that point. 
right. uh, as, as people, as consumers. No. But there, there are a lot of steps along the way to give that good insight on how efficient uh, the advertising and the, and the free promotions you're doing are doing. Well, I think I think it's interesting. I think the more and more that we educate, um, we educate the, the SMBs, the, the larger brands, the retailers, and and we get to the point where they understand that you know this is the evolution of the buyer. This is the evolution of data privacy. Looking at the local lift and then partnering with the right partners to help you with that data, to help you with that POS information and seeing that local lift and having that, you know, partners that, that not only maybe flights from media, but also knows the data side of it. That's going to be the key to see some of that, that local lift and put it all together. There's a lot of education that needs to take place. And you yeah. know, when I was at Google, you know, we used to spend a lot of time, you know, working with agencies because the interesting thing is a lot of these brick and mortar businesses were going to their agencies and saying like, how do I do this? Um, so there is, you know, even like the big agencies don't know yet all the things they need to know. So I think that's just a great opportunity for us and anybody who is knowledgeable in this space to provide additional value by informing people about these great new opportunities that are available to them. Because frankly, I've been shocked at how few folks actually know uh, yeah. about the value of this. And, you know, we did a, a session with our advisory board, a lot of great SEO people and sharing with them the power of local inventory. And they just didn't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny that you, I mean, some of the stuff you've mentioned today, I'm sure there's going to be listeners that are like, what do you mean free local listings? What do you mean store visits? What do you mean I can, you know, push my loyalty rewards and get some of that data for footfall? Um, you know, and this is some of the things that, that, that I believe in and we've known from working with DBA platform that you guys can help to facilitate. Um, what are some of the other things that, that DBA platform is doing right now to help facilitate some of this shift into local? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've got a couple of products that are really fantastic. One of them is called Local Falcon. Mm -hmm. And if you go to localfalcon.com, you can check it out. And what it does, it provides a heat map of how well you do in a particular geography for a particular search. So, for example, use Toyota Camry near me. It's very difficult for folks to know exactly how uh, well you rank based on where you are, because one of the things that Google takes into, into account when they're doing those rankings is your proximity. So if I have a regional chain of dealerships and I'm doing a search for, you know, use Toyota Camry in Peoria, but I'm trying to do that from Tacoma, Washington. I know that's a big Right. No, thing. sure. But that happens, but right. Yeah. You're not going to get those. You're not going to get those local results. So what we have is we have hundreds of thousands of devices, you know, throughout the United States and Europe and Asia that allow you to actually see what the search engine results are for your business for specific terms in that market. And we get this great heat map back that shows these are the challenges. You know, this is where you're doing well. This is where you're not doing well. Uh, and it's a great product. It's something we've had a lot of success with. That's, that's excellent. And, 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 um, you know, that's, that's incredible because that really can also, you know, and, and not to get into the granularities, but that could really start to, to work with some automotive in terms of their, you know, fallout markets, you know, what's actually, you know, pump in, pump out and how that search is impacting their sales or their lack of. A hundred percent, you know, and I, and I think the follow on to that is that within DBA platform, we have what we call a local authority scorecard. And if you look think about local authority, it's almost kind of like credit karma for your local listings. Huh. You log in there. It tells you what the exact uh, criteria are that guide your local. So like how frequently do you post? 
How freak, how quickly do you respond to reviews? Um, do you have inventory feeds? So it allows you to take a look at what the criteria are, and then we give you a score based on how well you're doing those things. And then we will kind of educate you in the process on the things you can do to improve those scores. So I know Credit Karma isn't always the best example, but it's really what it is. I mean, no, like, it's great. We're yeah. tell you what it is. What, what the criteria are, and then we're going to tell you how you're scoring, and then finally, we're going to let you know what you need to do to improve those scores. So, you know, uh, you, you bring up a really good point because um, one of the, the great relationships that, that we've had is is really utilizing the, the Google My Business or Google, you know, business uh, profile, right, to be able to determine, you know, how successful uh, the retailer is or how they're showing in terms of how do, how do I visually appeal or appear to Google? Um, a lot of people don't know that. And um, that, that credit karma for, for local authorities is, is a great analogy. Um, but what are some of the other things that you guys are doing? I, I think from a cutting edge standpoint with, with Google My Business, um, you know, because you're doing some really interesting things there as well, right? Yeah, 100. percent And I think one of the, you know, one of our really unique strong points is that, uh, you know, we're a great partner if you want to provide auto inventory data to Google or product inventory data to Google. And uh, this is an area that I was working on very closely when I was at Google. But this is one of the really kind of unsung things that people don't know is that if I do that search for Mfamil near me. Right. There's no way for Google to know that you carry Enfamil. You know, the way that Google usually works is they'll spider your website and then they'll pull that information back. And when somebody searches, it goes through that list to find the best result. Sure. As of today, Google doesn't have little robots that can go in your store and tell you what's in your store. So you have to be proactive. You have to provide that feed to Google on a daily basis so that when people are doing those searches, you can be sure to show up. And that's true with auto. That's true with retail. And there's a number of different ways in which that inventory data shows up. One is, is within the Google business profile itself, there's, there's what's called see what's in store. Mm -hmm. uh, or on the car front, it's called cars for sale. Yes. And it allows you to actually search the inventory of that location from within your Google business profile. But probably even more important is the impact it has on general Google search engine results. Because they might not even go and dig into your local profile if, if within the initial Google result, it says, yes, this item is in stock. And the only way that it shows up that it's in stock is if you provide that feed to Google. So it's really the most powerful thing that a local retailer or a local auto uh, dealer can do in order to show up really well on Google. Um, and again, I love Google. We didn't make it easy. You know, right, uh, right, you right. Know, yeah. didn't, didn't tell people how to do it. There's a lot of steps that go into it. Right. Link up your Merchant Center account with your Google My Business account. You want to do the ads, you got to get the AdWords account. There's a lot of points of failure. There's an inventory check that goes in. There's a website check that goes in. Um, so what we do at DBA is we just kind of streamline that entire process, uh, mm -hmm. make it very easy for folks to do that. And then what we're doing also is we're partnering with some great providers of, for example, RFID, you know, uh, mm -hmm. RFID tags, you know, for folks who aren't familiar, they're those little you know, white strips that show up in the back of your razor blades, but right. they contain, in essence, a cookie right. that, that can then be tied back to information about what that item is. So if we're using RFID as a mechanism to capture that data and pass it on to Google, it's a way in which retailers and brands can make certain that their products are showing up on Google without the retailer really having to do the heavy lift of creating a feed and sending it and all those kind of good things. 
Yeah, that's that's incredible. And you know, with our um, you know, relationship, you know, we've seen the success of of cars for sale. But from an SEO standpoint, um, is it fair to say, Chris, that if I'm if I'm listening here and I'm a local business and I'm a I'm a retail store and I'm stocking shelves with product or I'm a, a used automotive dealer or a new dealer, um, from an SEO standpoint, how important is my Google business profile in getting that inventory listed to Google? It's probably the most powerful thing you can do. I mean, okay. so, I, I, unless you can move your store or dealership to be right <laughs> next to that person at all times. But like beyond right. that, you know, getting that in there is absolutely critical. And there's a major grocery chain that we're working with in the Northeast. And they just got their inventory up in November. And they saw a 300% lift in their map views, you know, just from doing that inventory. And again, this is free, right? Like, well... Not saying that our part is free, but like as far as the placement on Google, Google, right? Get that up there, and like that's free information that Google's going to pass on. So it has shown tremendous results in a very short time, um, and we've got some very happy customers who are glad that they spent the time doing it. No, that's great, and I think to your point, there's just not a lot of businesses that even know this is out there. They just don't know. I mean, even know. again, the agencies, you know, like the SEO experts, they don't know. Right. So, on the way, you know, and again, like the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. So from our perspective, <laughs> right. you know, we really think it's going to be a great opportunity for us to not only educate people about the power of local inventory, but also give them a path on how to do it. So what was the, I, I'd rather... Uh, light a candle, then curse the darkness. Right. So there you we're, go. That's we're, we're right. trying to do that. <laughs> You're trying to light the path, right? To light the path to, to show them to do it. So, well, that's a great, that's a great segue. So what's the ideal customer for DBA platform? If I'm listening here and I'm the, the chief marketing officer of a, of a major brand, sh- should I be talking to DBA platform? hundred percent. And there's, there's really, there's four main categories of customers who we work with. One is the large chains, right? So if you've got thousands of locations or even hundreds of locations, we can help you get your presence not only on Google, but on Bing, Apple, Facebook, and you know hundreds of other local directories as well. So that's one of the things that we do because uh, Google doesn't make it easy as of today to manage a large number of listings. And obviously, they're not helping you get your listings on Bing or Apple or Facebook as well. Right. So for a large chain, that's really an important one. Also, digital agencies, right? So if I'm mm-hmm. a digital agency... Whether I'm a large agency and I'm dealing with, you know, lumber large customers who have a number of locations, or if I'm just a small regional agency who happens to have, you know, um, 50 different restaurants who I'm working with, we provide that same capability to manage the local presence for all those locations at scale with, you know, uh, with flighting the content, making certain the listing is correct, pushing the data out to multiple sources, getting the reporting back on all those things. We can make all that possible very easily. Um, the next area is the area of, uh, of platforms. And by platforms, I mean SaaS providers who are working with local businesses in one capacity or another. And this is a great opportunity for them to white label what we do mm-hmm. and just put at, have an additional value add for their solution. One more reason for a customer to choose your platform, one more reason for your customer to stay with your platform, and one more reason to have an upsell opportunity with your platform, a great new revenue stream. Absolutely. And we're particularly excited now that we're starting to work with brands. Brands. Uh, where brands are now, uh, you know, very, as I was mentioning earlier, um, you know, co-op advertising is a really important thing for brands. However, circulars and direct mail, you know, like people just aren't looking at those things anymore. So there's all this co-op money that's on the sideline. And what we're doing is working with these great brands to allow them to partner with their local retailers so they can advertise on behalf of their local retailers. Mm-hmm. And be able to say like, hey, 
you're looking for, you know, uh, yoga pants near me, my brand is available in this local mom and pop store. And we're going to make that ad available to you so that you can come up to the top of those listings as well. So all these folks, you know, they all have a big stake in local. We all don't want to live in a world where it's Amazon and Amazon only. We That's right. One provider. So for all these companies, chains, agencies, platforms, and brands, we're here to help them manage their local presence at scale. Yeah, this is this is exciting. I mean, the stuff that you guys are doing is is revolutionary, Chris. Uh, super pumped for you guys. So, um, what's the best way? Let's let me know. I'm sure everybody's dying to hear. How, how do we get a hold of, of DVA Platform? How do we get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've got a. You can always visit our website at dvaplatform.com or our local Falcon property at localfalcon.com. But I'm happy to talk to anybody that's interested. If you want to hit me up at Chris at dbaplatform.com, I'd love to hear from me and I'd, have to, I'd love to help you manage your local presence at scale. Uh, it's definitely worth it, man. Chris, thank you so much. It's always an honor to work with you. Appreciate your time, Albert. Thanks for having me. Thank you.